0: Good morning, and welcome to St. Paul's on this bright Sunday morning. If you're joining online, I hope it is as beautiful out there as it is here in Toronto. Well, let me start by praying. Oh God, may these words be faithful to your written word. And may you lead us to the living word, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As a child, and even now as an adult, I have a, an odd fascination with flying things, flying machines. Airplanes, SpaceX rockets, Apollo moon missions, all of that. And that includes Voyager 1 and 2, the satellites that were launched in 1977. That's 45 years ago. They visited Jupiter, Saturn, and they were the first ones to give us images, close-up images of Neptune. They are now the farthest human-made objects ever created, and they are about to leave our solar system. They're traveling at 17 kilometers per second. Humans, we've explored vast parts of our Earth, vast reaches of the solar system. We have scientists and astronomers through the ages pointing their eyes, their telescopes, antennas, out into the stars, out into the heavens. But no one yet has seen Jesus floating out there in heaven. Over the past week since Easter, we have been telling and retelling the the stories and accounts of people encountering, eyewitness encounters of the risen Jesus that were recorded in the Bible, how ordinary people encountered him and how they reacted and responded to the resurrection. And today, we are finishing that series with Jesus' resurrection, the last time when Jesus, when his disciples saw Jesus here on earth. The ascension of Jesus is good news for each and every one of us today. And it might be counterintuitive. It might be counterintuitive to consider how Jesus going up into heaven, leaving us, leaving earth, is actually good news. His ascension is good news. Taking up, being taken up into heaven is good news because it means that Jesus is alive and active today. And that's what we'll explore. We'll explore through the ascension how that gives us hope and encouragement amidst the troubles of our failing bodies and in the challenges of our lives and of this world. The ascension is a bit of a plot twist at the end of Jesus' life here on earth. Most people would agree that his life, Jesus' life, those 33 years were good news. He had a lot of things going on. He taught followers, he healed the sick, he fed the hungry, all just in three years. And by the time he died and rose again, he was only 33. He could have kept on going, teaching more people, healing more people, feeding so many more, at least decades more, and then died a second final time at a ripe old age. And in the scripture that we read this morning, those disciples, they definitely could have benefited from a bit more time with him, a bit more teaching, a bit more instruction. One of the options for Jesus, he could have transformed slowly into a ghost, into a spirit. We have that in the movies where someone lingers around, you know, a bit of unfinished business. We've got Patrick Swayze in Ghost. We have Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense. But the resurrection stories that we've been going through they tell us that Jesus met people in his resurrection physical body. He showed his scarred hands to Thomas. He met Cleopas and his wife on the road to Emmaus. He was cooking breakfast for Peter on the beach. And then 40 days, 40 days after his resurrection, after another time of teaching with his disciples, we read that Jesus is lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Jesus wasn't a ghost or a spirit that simply faded away into the ether. As Tyler said last week, the resurrection body is weird, but it's still a physical body. And with our modern scientific minds, hey, I'm an engineer, these are two questions that naturally arise that pique our interest. How? How did Jesus ascend? And Where did he ascend to? So let's first look at the the where. Jesus is lifted up and carried into heaven. And as we know from Voyager satellites, from astronomers, from the NASA scientists, heaven isn't a place way up there, way past Neptune. But through our ancient times and throughout so many different cultures, we have this conception, this idea of heaven. In Genesis 1:1, at the very beginning of our Bible, we have this read, God created the heavens and the earth. Heaven is this place where God lives, and earth is this place where humanity lives. And in heaven, the realm where God is fully in control, in charge, that is where Jesus ascends to. Jesus came from God, and at his ascension, he, co- he goes back to God he has this trajectory from God and back to God. And so from the Bible from our scriptures we have a bit more certainty of that question of the where. Where did Jesus ascend to? It was to heaven. But the how is a little bit harder. It is hard to understand as hard as understanding the biology of a dead body coming back to life. It is as hard as understanding the physics of a human body moving through locked doors. And for those of you, if you're spiritually got questions, or maybe even you've been in the church for a long time, but these events, these miracles, they just feel like science and faith are at odds with one another, that they're in conflict, that they don't mesh. But scientists have and are continually probing into the fundamental laws of physics. It is only a 100 years ago that Niels Bohr and his gold foil experiments discovered that atoms are mostly empty space. If you remember from your science class from high school, you've got the atom and the nucleus in the middle, and you've got electrons whizzing around, 95% empty space. And today, these physicists, they are still exploring and discovering so much more about quantum physics and the nature of our physical world. We got weird words like quarks, leptons, Bosons, they are literally expanding the the knowledge that we have of the physical world. They are expanding the limits of our scientific knowledge. And so for me, as an engineer trained to apply science, the ascension is another case where our knowledge of the physical world is limited. We don't yet know everything about quantum mechanics. Our vision is literally clouded. And it's clouded in the same way that for the disciples, they saw that a cloud took Jesus out of their sight. But to be honest, the where and the how are good and hard questions that we need to wrestle with in our faith. But more importantly, perhaps, is the question of why. Science and faith aren't meant to be at odds at one another because they have different goals. Science describes the what of our physical world, how things work. But faith describes God. Faith describes the why, the purposes of God. So even if we could scientifically know how Jesus ascended, that knowledge doesn't necessarily give us any hope or encouragement for today, for our lives that are in challenge and struggle. But the Bible and the scriptures describe with certainty the why. Jesus came from God and he returned to God. And here at St. Paul's, you probably hear us said this a million times that we are a community learning to love and follow Jesus. As humans, we are from God. We are made in the image of God and we will go to God. We will follow Jesus to God. That's what we're doing here as well. We are following the trajectory from God and to God. Jesus is physically alive with a new resurrection body in heaven. And we will have that same resurrection body just as Jesus did. Because eternal life, it's not just about living forever. Because you're just going to have the same creaky knees. You're going to have the same forgetful memory. What's the use in that? But instead, we're going to have new bodies that are different and recognizable. No more aches and pains. No more disease. No more death. Jesus is alive today with his physical body in heaven. He came from God and to God, and so will we. And that is encouragement for us, for the trajectory of our lives. So if that's one encouragement, that Jesus is alive, the other encouragement is that Jesus is active today. During his time on earth in first century Palestine, Jesus was very active He was teaching disciples and followers. He was healing so many. He fed 4,000 and 5,000. But when we look at the challenges of the world around us, we might easily have the impression that Jesus is not active anymore. There are so many people that still need to hear about the good news of God's love and forgiveness. There are so many diseases that need curing, so many suffering from hunger around the world. So we might believe in our minds that God is in charge up there in heaven. But in the day-to-day, it might not feel that God is in charge here on earth. And the disciples, they say the same thing in in verse 6 of our scripture. Is this the time that you will come, that you will restore the the kingdom to Israel? And the disciples are literally asking, Jesus, when will you finish your work? All that teaching, the healing, the feeding, those were signs of God in charge. And they wanted more of that. They wanted God's will on earth as it is in heaven, just as we pray during the Lord's prayer. And like any good teacher, Jesus doesn't answer their question straight away. But he involves them in the solution. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Because Jesus' ministry here on earth, it continues through his disciples. It continues now even through us here. On screen, you'll see a snippet of a poem written by St. Teresa of Avila, a 16th century Spanish nun. She wrote, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth, but yours. You see, the church, we are called the body of Christ. And one of the reasons is because we are the physical hands and feet of Jesus here on earth. There are Christians worshiping around the world in other churches, in other countries, some of them meeting in houses. And we all represent the body of Christ, the body of Jesus in the world. And so, as followers of Jesus, we follow along also in his ministry. We follow and continue that mission on earth. And we aren't left empty-handed because Jesus equips us to continue that ministry by giving us the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to focus on in the next four weeks in our next sermon series called God in Us, where we hear how the Holy Spirit inspires us to continue that ministry of teaching, of healing, and feeding. That is the promise of the Holy Spirit that will be fulfilled On Pentecost which we celebrate next Sunday. So if if we are the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ, it still begs the question, what is Jesus himself doing in heaven? In our statement of faith we often say that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. You've heard that said and used in different places. And Jesus has this position of power and authority. It's where we get that phrase, right-hand man. It's that second person who has the same rights, power, authority as the person on top. But with that right-hand man, we might think of a faraway ruler relaxing in a golden palace while their servants, their slaves, their subjects are off doing the work for them. And God has been criticized for being distant and uncaring, leaving us to our own devices, leaving the earth to natural disasters like forest fires in Alberta, floods in Italy, or leaving us to, the, leaving us to witness evil, unabated, systemic racism and violence, autocratic invaders or even oppressors. But that is not how the Bible describes Jesus. In John chapter 17, while he was still on earth and before he ascended, Jesus prayed for his disciples. He prayed that they would know him and for their protection. Now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name. And then after Jesus ascended, and now that he's in heaven, he continues to pray for his followers, for his disciples, St. Paul writes to the early church in Rome, it is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Jesus was active on earth, but he is still and continues to be active in heaven, praying, interceding, intervening on our behalf in the presence of God the Father. He defends and advocates for us. And even in 1 John chapter 2, we read, If anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. That's what a friend does. Defends and speaks up for you when you're in need, when you're under attack. And last week, Tyler reminded us that we can have Jesus as our friend Because friends pray and care for one another, and Jesus does the same for us. Of course, Jesus isn't any friend. In Jesus, we have a friend who is in the throne room of God. In Jesus, we have a friend who has the ear of God. So maybe you've been coming to church. You've been coming to church attracted because of the good teachings of Jesus, because of God's love and forgiveness, of his mercy and justice. And it feels like all of that is past tense. His ministry on earth, his teachings, his life, that's all past tense 2,000 years ago. But no, Jesus is still alive and active today. He's not distant and uncaring. So if you've been struggling today, if you're in need or you feel under attack, maybe you've picked up one of our daily prayer booklets. But praying and talking to God it's still difficult because you're in the middle of your day-to-day challenges. You're still bogged down by everything swirling around. So if you're struggling to pray, there's encouragement for you. We have people here at St. Paul's ready and willing to pray for you. You can find them after the service. But Jesus is also praying and interceding for you 24-7 in the throne room of God. So before I pray, near the church office, there is a stained glass window of Jesus' ascension. And so I hope that every time you see it, it would remind you and encourage you that Jesus is in heaven, alive and active today, praying and interceding for you, caring and loving for you, loving you this very hour, this very minute. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your ministry on earth. And we praise you because you came from God and you returned to God. Thank you that we can follow you back to the heart of God. Thank you that you continue to pray and intercede for us even when we cannot ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.